mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world, then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires, many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guests, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. Okay, we're here today at Ditch Digger CEO. And uh, Chris, we've got a we've got a doozy here. We've got uh, another paving guy, a leader of a great paving company. And uh, it's going to be fun talking to somebody that's, that's uh, part of building a great organization in the paving industry because it's an industry that I've been very passionate about. Um, so uh, we want to welcome... Vince Hayfley today to Ditch Digger CEO. Welcome, Vince. Thank you for having me here. Looking forward to it. Well, okay. Vince, you know what? And what we do here basically is we tell stories. We want to tell stories, and we, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm big into mentoring young entrepreneurs, and uh, you know, big, big into um, really protecting and 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 uh, really promoting the American dream in any way I can. I've been blessed to be part of it, and, and I really love interviewing people that tell their story. And uh, you've got a great one to tell. And, and I also love when when my my guests are people that not only build business and understand the, the how tough it is to build business and build culture, great culture, and serve serve their markets, but also I love I love interviewing people that actually serve outside business in a philanthropic way. And reading up on you and what you do uh, outside of business is really cool. So I, I want to talk about that too. What we like to do is tell a story. So, I mean, maybe maybe a little bit about your upbringing, your en- entering into this industry, and and how this business became this uh, dom- this this great force in your in your in the marketplace on the uh, west coast of Florida. Um, you know, a little bit of all that stuff. So, if you can share that stuff with us, and we can we'll ask a bunch of questions. And at the end, uh, Chris will come up with kind of nuggets that he got out of this um, for for uh, nuggets that other people could think about for for their own success. Yep. Well, my upbringing is um, I'm from a blue-collar family. My dad was a coal miner, and my mother worked in a dress factory for many years, and then she eventually went off and started her own little business entrepreneur um, in the craft business, if you will. Um, I grew up in the southern part of Illinois, uh, down uh, out of strip mining, out of underground coal mining. That's what my dad did a tight-knit family growing up, small family, mother, father, and a brother that was nine years my senior. We kind of did everything together as a family when I was young. We had camping trailers, ski boats, horses, motorcycles. Uh, I eventually came to Florida on spring break in March of 82, I, I guess it was. My brother had moved to Florida in 75, and I tell people I kind of came to Florida on spring break and never hoped left. <laughs> I came down with a buddy uh, that I lived with in the dorms, and after a week, he said, it's time to go back. And I said, hey, I, I've met a girl from Michigan. I'm going to stay another week. 
and I did. And uh, I, I flew back after two weeks. And when I got back, I, I called my parents and said, when you pick me up at the end of the semester to bring my 53 Chevy pickup and my 1974 Commando 850 and drop me off in Daytona Beach. And that's what <laughs> they did. So they, wow. they dropped me. They dropped me off in Daytona, and from 82 to 85, I was a uh, bartender. I was a busboy. I was a waiter. Uh, spent a lot of time on the beach having fun. And then in uh, 1985, kind of landed into the industry for the first time. Uh, I broke into the industry at $4.50 an hour, two hours a day, five days a week, $45 a week. Uh, <laughs> Breaking concrete test cylinders, and ah. um, I eventually progressed with that same company and uh, a field technician. Eventually became a, a system branch manager there, and I went to work for the Florida Department of Transportation in the '90s for a, a while, and found out you know, a DOT's Ajax's biggest customer, but I just wasn't really meant to be. Um, governmental employee so i left and uh, i eventually landed at ajax in 2002. I, I came in as their quality control manager florida had gone to contractor quality control specifications for pay and they hired me to set up their qc department and then after being here um, about 15 months they came to me and said hey you have an mba degree and we kind of like to start running the plants more like a business, and we're going to put you over the plants. So I took over and the general manager of the plants, and eventually as vice president in 2007, and in 2019 took over as the uh, president of Ajax. So I mean, that's kind of my story. I started about as low as you can. Um, Took me 16 years to get my bachelor's degree between spring break adventures and getting married in there and um, trying to raise a, a family. But I, I I finished that and and then within two years got my MBA and this Friday on the 18th of August I'm actually going to be defending my, my doctoral research. So follow uh, um, with my research being on suicide and construction. So I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit, but that's my background. I mean, do you want to know about Ajax's background and how we landed in Florida? Or? Yeah, that'd be nice. You have that kind of parallel, right? How that yeah. happened as well. So we, yeah, that, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, Ajax was originally founded in Michigan in 1951 by a man of the name of Herb Jacobs. And um, in the 70s, he hired a man by the name of Mike Curran, and in 81, he had an opportunity to take Ajax to Florida. So he sent Mike down here, Mike and his wife, and I think they had a daughter at the time, and they started Ajax, and in 82, they had their first plant put up down here, and um, Mike grew the, the company. When I came here in 2002, we were about uh, 78 employees. Today, we're about 500, um, so from 82 to Oh, two, they grew from one to 78 and now from 78 to 500. And then in um, 2013 or so, uh, Jamie Jacobs, which was the owner's son, Herb, 
approached Mike to find out if he might be interested in buying Ajax Florida because um, Herb had passed away in 02, so Jamie was the CEO, and Jamie wanted the business to stay a family business, and he felt that Mike had pretty much started Florida, and he would like for it to stay with Mike. So Mike is now our CEO and owner, and um, so Ajax in Florida, while we're we still collaborate, you know, we share a few things together. We're really two different companies now, but we still kind of view ourselves as one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Ajax came to Florida in 81, I came to 82, but I didn't find them until 2000. And to, it took me 20 years to, to get over here. And uh, I actually interviewed with Mike three times and turned him down twice. Um, because I came from the engineering side, yeah. and, and you're contractors, so you know there's a, there's a lot of opinions that some contractors aren't ethical and they don't do everything on the up and up. And so I turned Mike down twice over about a five week period, and he finally said, "What's wrong?" And I I told him I have a very high standard ethically. I'm well respected and the Florida Department of Transportation. And I've always heard the contractors lying and cheat and still they're crooks and I don't want to ruin my reputation. And the hook line that got Mike to hire me or for me to say yes was he said, well, here's the deal. If we fail, you call and tell the owner first and you tell me afterwards and we'll figure out how to fix it. And 21 well, years here, he has stuck to that. Um, I have nothing but respect for Mike and all that he's done and in getting this organization started and what he stands for. So I would never go back to the other side where I worked for geotechnical material firms. I love working for a contractor. You get to see the fruits of your labor every day. You get to meet a lot of unique people. It's a big family. Um, it's a great industry. When I retire, I'm going to miss the people. I may not miss a lot of the other stuff that goes along with what we do, you know, government regulation and, and all those things. But uh, sure. the industry is made up of phenomenal people with some phenomenal stories. It really is. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. You know, I, I've not interviewed anybody in district or CEO that's from the, from my industry, but I, uh, I agree a hundred percent. You know, we, uh, blue collar, the blue collar uh, world is a great place to be in, in business. You you meet people from all different, all different walks of life, and uh, yeah. it's it, uh, when you can put them all together, whether it be the, the highly educated engineers and uh, along with the hardworking labor, you know your labor force and and uh, operators and project manager who oftentimes become as sharp as any engineers I know. Right, yeah. it's pretty cool, right? Yes, I get, yeah. I get people in my business. I'm sure you do in yours. That you would uh, you would bet on, and, and when it comes to um, you know really understand the engineering side of the business as well as any highly highly uh, educated engineer that didn't that never went to never went to school for engineering, but he been yeah. around long enough, right? And you got to listen and, and listen to them just as well as anybody, huh? It's amazing how intelligent a lot of the people are in the construction industry, and a lot of people, um, high school degree or maybe no high school degree, how smart they are making six-figure incomes no college debt um, have fun every day and yeah i mean it's an awesome industry 
they're building stuff every day. And like you're seeing, they see the, see the fruits of their labor pretty fast, which is not, you can't yeah. get that in any industry, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. That's really cool. And I, I love what you said, you know, that, that uh, Mike, you know, said, hey, if we, if, you fa- if we fail, if you fail, we fail, right? You're going to let the customer know first. They come to me and tell me about it, right? I mean, how cool like, is that? Because that's exactly right. When there's failure, oftentimes a contractor doesn't want to admit it. And then a lot of times they're going to they may try to cover it up, right? Um, they might yeah. be fairly ethical, but that's not ethical, right? And so that's 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 an amazing statement he made. And like you're saying, that's a statement you can carry on to your your leaders every day, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, we sign ethical statements every couple of years. All my QC people still do, and the reason we sign those is because I want them to understand that there's no pressure on them to do anything that may be viewed as wrong or unethical. And, uh, hey, the numbers are what the numbers are. Tell us what they are and we'll figure out how to fix it. We'll learn from it. I love it. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes it's a, it's a cost of profitability, but in the long run, if you work through those those things with your teammates and your customers, relationships that grow from that are incredible, in my opinion. It can take years to build your reputation, both as a company and as an individual. And it can take less than a minute to ruin all of that work. Yeah. That's a great statement that everybody should should hear all over again. You know, I, I agree 100 percent Vince. It takes mm-hmm. years and years to, to earn people's respect and, and their confidence um, and, and, the, and a great relationship of trust. And boy, yeah. how quick can you lose that, right? And how, how sad is that when that happens? If, you know, when people don't realize the value of that. Um, they're they're not long for the business world, in my opinion, because you know that 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 reputation grows fast, right? Yes, and and sometimes you will never earn that respect back or no. trust. Hundred percent. So what we like when we think about uh, Ajax, like we'll, we'll stick with the the business the industry. You guys are road builders. Um, you, you build racetracks, airports. Uh, commercial work, design, build, I mean, pretty much a little everything, right? Tell me, tell me about that, and then tell me about your, your, let's say, your share of asphalt pavement to concrete pavement jobs. Well, we'll do that second one. Be the easy one. Here in Florida, we don't do a lot of concrete paving. We do a little bit. Um, Ajax, Michigan is pretty famous in the U.S. for the quality of concrete work they do across the, the country, uh, particularly in the Midwest and Michigan area, but uh, we do do some in Florida, not a whole lot. We are primarily an asphalt producer and paving company. Um, eight asphalt plants uh, along the southwest coast of Florida. Uh, we have done a lot of design build work uh, back in 07. At the time, we were awarded the largest um, contract the Florida DOT had ever led at the time. Um, that was a design build project. So we're pretty proud of the design build work we do, and we think we do a, a good job at it and assemble good teams to do that. Uh, we do a lot of standard DOT, low bid type work, county, city work. Uh, we don't do a lot of commercial paving unless it may be like a a larger parking lot and as Amazon or a Sam's or Walmart or something, we we sell a lot of mix that we sell to small paving contractors that 
do that commercial work and we kind of think of them as you know we have 10 ajax paving crews but we probably actually have more like 50 paving crews uh, we treat them as our own and um, they're they're a big part of our business yeah. awesome yeah and, and you know I, i've been uh, on both sides of that and i've uh, been a buyer from 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 great manufacturers in the in the, in the markets we're in um, and I actually became a manufacturer. I, I, I built a, a new plant, a GenCore plant back in the day, um, okay. and then bought a couple of plants after that. And so, uh, you know, not, nowadays we don't own plants. We own some portable ready mix plants, but otherwise we don't own plants. We, we, we build relationships of trust with our, with, with, with manufacturer, uh, hot mix manufacturer across the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, people didn't think you could do that everywhere in the country, but we do. And uh, and with that, you know, we 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 look at our our you know our hot mix uh, producers as great partners, and sometimes yeah. we you know partner with them actually do, to actually do work as well um, yep. in, in markets where you know we're just not set up to go. So so it's really yeah. really works out well. But yeah, if you, you treat your customers in the in, in the paving industry, those mom and pops, you call call them buggy runners, you call them mom and pops, whatever. Um, yeah. You know what? You'll you'll have customers for life because they they rely on you. You you yeah. shut that plant down early on them, or when the plant breaks down and you have no solution for them, um, it hurts them in a big way. It could co- 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 cost their profits for the week, right? Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, we kind of feel like we have a responsibility to help those guys keep the doors open. That's our responsibility. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and, and you do otherwise, you know, what, what, you know, they get big enough if the customer services are there, you figure out how to do it somewhere else, right? How to, how to get their mm-hmm. mix or build their own plant. And yeah. there's, there's, in my opinion, if, if you've got great hot mix providers, you don't need to own your own plant. You guys, you guys work off of lean enough margins. And if you're efficient and, and, and uh, you know, you can't build a plant and operate a plant, in my opinion, um, and, and make a profit very efficiently when you're competing against something that does it every single day and has, multiple plants like you guys. So that's cool. That's yeah. And once you put your own plan up, you've kind of set your footprint too, right? Yeah, exactly. If, if you buy from an old castle, you know, they have several hundred plants across the country. you got a big footprint. Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. So tell me, um, when you, when you look at, um, your culture, your, your, you know, and I, and I've heard, I've heard great things about your company in the past as far as support, you know, culture, you know, then, Built on values and all that, you know. Do you guys have like stated core values, or do you do you have a you know certain culture you just you guys exude? Or tell me a little bit about that. Well, we have this card. It's our eighteen card, and every employee gets to this when they come to work here. And our goal is to be the employer of choice, the contractor of choice, and the partner of choice, and. We want to be the partner of choice that all all the subcontractors want to work for us because we treat them well and take care of them. Uh, we want to be the contractor of choice because we want uh, people in the design build world, we want them to give us favorable scores early in the process because they like to work with us. Uh, we want private developer to say, hey, I may be willing to pay a little more to use Ajax because of the quality of work I, I'm getting. But the biggest piece of that being the employer of choice. Um, you can go buy a new GenCore plant, but if you don't have anyone to run it, all you have is a GenCore plant, right? Yes, yeah, so right. 
you so people and a lot of people say this you know people are our most valuable asset and it's easy to say and it's a little more difficult to do because it takes work it takes effort it takes commitment it takes sharing um the resources of your company sharing the profit of your company um so yeah it's easy to say that hey people are our most people important asset and but it, you you got to concentrate every day and live by that so yeah i mean that's we got a mission statement like everybody does and we got our core beliefs and value but we really just hinge ours on being the contractor partner and employer of choice i love it that covers all of it right i mean yeah. you, you, you're gonna if you build a great culture with, with great teammates, right, and they're passionate about your business and, and they're going to be passionate about serving your customers, your customers and your subcontractors, they're going to feel that when they yeah. interact with your team, right? Yes. And, that's, yeah. and that, that's, uh, it sounds simple, but if, it, but if, you know, if you focus on every day, it's not simple, but it becomes a heck of a lot more easy when that's in the, in, in the mindset of every teammate you have, right? From, the, from, the, from that new employee to yourself. That's, yeah, and you've always got to be looking to change what's new out there and stay out in front of it. So you do create a good culture to where people want to come, but more importantly, where people want to stay once they get there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we think about the the economy and and uh, in your neck of the woods. I I move full time. I'm kind of a neighbor now. I'm down here in Naples and uh, a little south of of your so- southernmost uh, facility, but. Uh, I see you guys a little north of me here working and, and stuff. I, wa- I stopped by and watched you work, but either way, uh, when I when I uh, when I think of economy nationally, uh, I mean I'm from I'm from Chicagoland area, so I've seen you know great economies there for a long time. In the last uh, you know ten years or so, not so good, and you know it's really really uh, been a tough economy there. And and our industry, yours and my industry, is definitely stunted in a big way compared to the rest of the country. When you see your your state and the and the boom that's happening. How do you look at that when you when you invest in this in your business and you look at you know you and you and the leaders of your company look at what how you're investing for the future? Um, I think that your market's going to continue to grow through through even some tough times ahead because I see that you know people from across the country want to live in your backyard. Um, what's your opinion on that? What you are you guys aggressively going forward investing in your business or are you kind of like? Um, a little conservative on the growth, you know, bearish or bullish? Well, we've always kind of grown just by opportunity. We don't have big growth plans. Um, just when an opportunity has come along to be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, I, the Florida economy is good and there's a good work program funded for the next three years or so. Um, and I think it will still be fine after that. Um, you know, there's going to be a point when the economy in Florida will start to go the other way as far as the building boom and everything that's going on, just pure number-wise, right? I'm a baby boomer, and hey, all of us baby boomers are either retired or getting ready to retire, and some have started to die, and the rest of us are working on dying <laughs> Yeah. That <laughs> so um, all these homes and everything that's being built down here, at some point there's going to be a lot of these homes that 
are going to be sitting looking for people to buy them. So, I mean, I, hey, I think every, I don't have anything to worry about while I'm working, but I think there will be a time in Florida when you see the boom start to go the other way. But, you know, that's not just Florida nationally, uh, the baby boomers, but we're heavily populated with a lot of the boomers. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of contractors in Florida, and there's a lot of contractors that want to come to Florida, and there's a lot of contractors that come to Florida and leave because they find out Florida kind of a tough place to, to work. Um, so we're prepared for what the future brings for us, and that's the kind of the way we've always been looked at it. If there's opportunities there, we'll be ready to go. Um, but I, we're 500 people, and... You know, some days that's a big animal in itself to take care of. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I think you're you're in a great place, and like as you're saying, of course, there's going to be down downturn in the downturn ahead eventually, and and you're going to build your business to be strong enough for, for that, right? So it's a good, great great way yep. to look at it. Yeah. When when you think about your your biggest differentiations in, produ- in production and and things like that, I mean, we over the last ten years. You know what? What technology has come about to, to make your crews, you know, more productive, higher higher quality, to you know, give them the ability to deliver higher quality. What kind of differentiation have have you seen in your industry that you're able to take advantage of over the last, you know, ten years? Let's say. Uh, we've done some jobs with gradeless staking. You know, I've jumped all off of GPS and electronic, so you know that uh, cost savings. Um, you know, a lot of the different GPS millimeter type paving, uh, we're actually looking right now at some technology to where, uh, the guys driving our plant loaders were actually, are actually going to be inside in air conditioned buildings, not out getting beat up on the equipment all day long, which will give the guys a, um, healthier life. They're not going to get a lot of these repetitive injuries from riding in loaders around plants all the time. So it'll extend the life of how long uh, a loader operator at a plant can work, uh, but it'll also give him a better quality of life when he goes to retire because he'll be physically a little more healthy than they are today. So we're, we're getting that started. Oh, so what would that be like, Vince? Is that like a remote control or something like that for those big loaders? It's going to start a semi-autonomous to where the loaders will have 360 cameras on them. Uh, they'll set inside. You can actually, if you drive a cat loader and want cat loader controls, they can do that. Or if you just want a generic type of loader control. So it, it, it's, it's not going to eliminate an employee because, hey, when the plant goes down, you've been around them. you got to go out and clean and grease and you got to lube. you got to do all that. But it, it'll give you opportunity to do things like, uh, hey, if the plant two hours away from here goes down and they need to go out and work on it and you still have incoming materials coming in, the guy sitting here across from my office will be able to run that loader two hours away from here That's and, keep cool. the oper- and keep the operation going. That's uh, awesome. I love so, it. So, yeah, I mean, we, we have... Ajax has a history of spending a lot of money on technology that goes nowhere. And it's kind of, I guess you could say, money wasted, but it's not wasted because we always learn from it. Yeah. And if you're not spending money looking for the next 
silver bullet out there, you're not going to find it. So we're big into innovation and looking for creative ways uh, to do things. And that's not just with our iron, that's with our training and education and anything we can do for our employees as well. Awesome. Yeah, we, we're, we're the same way. We continually spend money on, on you know, new technology and uh, looking for the best, most productive, high quality, you know, equipment to the marketplace. And and a lot of times, as you said, you're, you're, it's going to cost you money and it's not going to deliver a lot of value. But when, when it does hit, whether it's one in three or one in five times, um, in the, in the end, you, you win. You know, you, you've got a, a company that people love working for because you're innovative. You got customers that love you, love, love you serving them because they know you're innovative, right? And in, in the long run, it works out if you're focused on it in, 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 the, in, a, in a smart fashion, right? You can't just go after everything, but a lot of things that we can invest in to, to continue to be better. And, well, and a, lot of, a lot of younger people don't want to work for companies that are being innovative. And they've got ideas. So, I mean, it's also a uh, tool for getting new people into your company. Absolutely. Um, so t- tell us about, to me, Phil Dropperly, you, you, I've read up on you and, and the stuff you're doing, and boy, it's really cool. I, let's share, share with us some of the stuff you're doing and how you came about understanding there is a problem. And just like, you know, that what you do as a leader, what I try to do as a leader, I try to mentor all our leaders to do is really just solve problems, right? If you solve the problem of your of your, your customers, you're going to have customers that, that want to stick with you. Solve the problem of your teammates, right? And your employees, they're going to want to, they're going to want to be there as well. But tell us about a problem you found uh, that that you've gotten way behind and and are really behind in, in the industry, um, you know, for the industry and philanthropically for for the community. Okay, well we're we're talking about suicide and mental health, so let's just throw that out there so everybody knows what we're talking yep. about. Yep. Um, how did I get there on that topic? Well, it began with. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm in finishing stages of the doctoral program. And, and in June of 21, I told a professor that I wanted to research frontline leadership in our industry, how we take the guy that's great at running the paver. And when we lose the foreman, we say, hey, you're great at running the paver, so you're the boss now. Yeah. And we, we set them up for failure because they're not prepared for that. Lord. I wanted to study what maybe other industries have done and how they bridged that. And he kind of looked at me and chuckled and he said, that's weak and lame. It's been done before. And I pushed back and said, well, no, it's not. I've looked and nobody in construction and asphalt to study that. And he said, Hey, they did it in the medical profession. They studied why great physicians fail when they make them hospital administrators. He said, go change the narrative in your research and done, go find something better. Wow. Uh, I had already written a paper that I published for a conference over in India where I presented and the hook line of that paper to get people in was suicide in the construction industry. So I, I, I kind of had looked at it, but not in great depth. So I began to dig into the numbers and hey, being transparent in 2007, I was going to take my life about a half mile of that direction right behind the asphalt plant one night. Um, and got a call that stopped me, so I I had lived it, and so now I started uh, researching it, and I learned that in our industry, construction is the second highest industry in the U.S. when it comes to suicide. I learned that uh, nationwide we lose about two to three workers a day 
to job-related injuries. They might be hit by a car intruding into a work zone, a trench collapse buried beneath the surface, fall from height two to three a day. Yet in that same industry, we lose 10 to 15 a day to suicide. In our industry, we lose a construction worker about every two hours to suicide. Wow. And, uh, so, you know, I, I dug into that and into the research. And, you know, and so then, you know, there's people ask, well, why? Well, there's all the documented reason that researchers have come up with and um, opiate addiction, alcohol addiction, repetitive injuries over time. So people get hooked on alcohol. Alcohol is a depressant. Remote work away from the family. Um, periods, if you're up north of months where you don't have a paycheck. Um, so there's all these reasons. And, and so I said, well, I'm going to look at this from a different angle. Um, there's an old saying that people can't fix what they don't know is broken. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to interview, I'm on the national asphalt pavement association board of directors. So I know a lot of people from across the country. I decided I'm going to interview these executives and find out hey, where are they at on this topic and what are they doing? Well, I quickly learned when I began interviewing them that nobody knew it was a problem. Nobody thought it was a problem. And thus, none of them were doing anything because there wasn't a problem. Yet, mm -hmm. a lot of them I talked to said, well, you know, I, I've lost a couple of employees to suicide, but I just kind of thought it was us. I didn't think it was an industry problem. So I then decided, well, I'm going to reach out to someone I know, a gentleman by the name of Cal Byers. Cal has done a lot with mental health, um, opioid addiction, um, alcohol, suicide in the industry for many years. And so I asked Cal, give me some companies that you know that are really addressing the topic and doing a good thing. And he did. So I began interviewing them. And what I learned from the, those companies are is that most of the companies that are addressing mental health and suicide and doing something good about it, more than 80% of them began those programs after they lost someone to suicide. Absolutely. So very few, 20% yeah, of the ones I interviewed have started just because, 80% started because they lost someone. So I decided God, I got to do something about this, right? Um, so it initially began with, hey, I'm going to do something at Ajax. So I relayed to 16 of our company leaders in July of 21, which was, you know, just a month after I talked to that professor, that in January 3rd, 2022, at our annual safety meeting, I'm going to get up in front of 400 plus employees and tell them we're going to elevate the culture of Ajax. We're even going to make it a better company. We're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about suicide awareness. We're going to encourage open conversation. We want you to share stories if you want. And if you don't want to share stories, that's okay as well. Uh, we want you to feel free to sh tell us you're struggling if you are. Uh, there'll be no repercussions. We'll help you. We'll support you. If you need time away, we'll pay you while you're away. Um, and for whatever reason, that same day uh, on July 16th of 21, I told the 16 people in that room about the night I was going to take my life here behind the asphalt plant. And for 14 years, the only people I knew was my ex-wife, my son, and I. Um, 
So I told him, and then in October of 21, uh, I told my current wife, and at the time, Stacy and I had been married 13 years. I was sitting in the backyard night, one night with tears in my eyes, and she wanted to know what was wrong. And I said, I'm going to tell you a story. Probably I should have told you before I told 16 people at work. But I, <laughs> I, I told her, and she said, well, how do you feel now? And I said, you know what? I feel like I can finally breathe. I feel like I finally got all of this off of my shoulders and I can finally breathe. So, you know, fast forward to January 3rd, we did what I said we were going to do. Uh, we told all the people and within hours of the meeting ending, I began to get emails from employees and telephone calls from employees saying, thank you. Um, one stands out in particular. It was a, a project superintendent. He called me and Actually, he emailed me and he said, you know, I've, I've had an operator and I felt like for months something just wasn't right. I didn't know, should I talk to him? Could I talk to him? How would I talk to him? And he said, we talked on the way back today after the, the meeting and he's going to go get some help. And he said, you know what? I realized I need to get some help as well. Well, that equipment operator came to me at our mid-year meeting in July and he said, what you did on January 3rd saved my career and saved my marriage. Um, I was the last one to see an employee by the name of Mark in 2015 that took his life, an employee here at Ajax. I walked out, he was sitting in his car, I waved, he waved, we smiled, we drove away, and three hours later, Mark was gone. Um, Office comedian, office clown, never had a clue. Um, So, you know, we started talking about it, I never knew a gentleman one door down from me lost his father to suicide. And he shares that now, so I'm not telling you anything that is not there. I never knew that the guy one door to my left lost a couple of uncle to suicide and lost several military friends to suicide. Um, I never knew the lady on the other side of the office had once thought about it. I never knew the lady down the hallway had lost several family members and one stopped her mother out and i tell people you know what all those stories were always there we just never knew they were there because we didn't tell people it was okay to share and ask for help if you needed it then so, you know, september is national suicide awareness month in the u.s and the first week is national suicide awareness in construction so this year from september 5th through the 8th is awareness and construction so what we did last year was we created a toolbox talk around Mark that took his life in 16. And I went out and the three crews in Tampa on a, that first Tuesday after Labor Day. And, and, you know, the first crew we go to wanted to tell you about an alcohol intervention that they had done a few weeks earlier. And these guys were smiling. They were happy. They were proud of what they had done for one of their coworkers. We go to the next crew and and a gentleman wants to tell us about his father that took his life 10 years earlier and how he walks on an annual walk now every year with a picture of his dad on his back to try to educate others to not do this, uh, you know, what the pain it created. We go to the third crew, and a gentleman on that crew wanted to show us his wrist where he had tried to take his life. So, you know, this is this was always there, and it was always within our company. We just didn't know it was there because we didn't say... You, you could talk about it. So, you know, I began, you know, I did a TEDx talk and then I went to the Asphalt Association. I spoke at Springfield, Illinois, in, in your home state. I spoke to them 
last spring. I've been to Indiana, Alabama, Virginia, South Carolina, Louisiana, Florida, all across the country. You know, last week I was in Mobile, Alabama, and Tuesday in Boston on Thursday. And I have not been anywhere that I've talked, and I've talked to over 10,000 men in person in the last eight months. I've had one person make one negative comment. This, at all the other events, people want to tell you their stories. I finished the talk in Boston and went down and sat at the bar to have a sandwich, and a gentleman walked up and sat down beside me, and he said, who called you and stopped you? I said, well, yeah, it was my wife, ex-wife now. And he said, it was a two-year-old that stopped me. The two-year-old walked in and said, Daddy, I love you, and Jesus loves you. As I sat there, I looked at the shotgun. Yeah. I, I get those stories everywhere I go. And now it's encouraging. I'm starting to get more and more follow-ups from, hey, my organization wants to do something. What do we do? Where do we begin? How do we address this? So that's coming out of the talks. So that's a, a positive um, I think John Deere's getting ready to work on something that they want to address this nationally and internationally. John Deere actually signed a proclamation that I did on February 7th of this year. I had this idea that if I could do a proclamation, turn the camera, it's hanging here on the wall, you can see it, um, from industry leaders that would say that we're no longer not going to allow discussion about mental health and suicide in our organizations. In fact, we're going to promote and encourage those conversations. Um, it was signed by um, Dave Bauer, president of ARDBO. It was signed by Doug Carlson, president of the National Utility Contractors Association. Jared Perdue, the Florida Department of Transportation Secretary. Jamie Roush, the president, general manager of Dynapack America, and signed by John Deere, it was signed by some international contractors, national contractors, and Florida contractors. Um, some of those people that signed that in February have since lost employees to suicide. So, you know, I get some people that say, God, I, I realize the numbers, and by the way, where did you get those numbers? Well, I got them from the Centers for Disease Control. They're not my numbers. I didn't do survey. These are documented numbers. Well, why haven't we known? Well, the numbers were only began being gathered in 2016 for our industry, so it's relatively new. Mm -hmm. What do you know anybody this has ever happened to? Well, if I had my journal here that's an inch and a half thick, I could tell you all the names. So, I mean, I tell them, hey, I was at the art, the fly-in in Washington in May at eight o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, I guess it was, Tuesday, Wednesday, I got an email from a gentleman in Louisiana, and they some they had lost someone. Two hours later, I went downstairs at the ARDBA meeting. They said, hey, Vince, we know what you're doing. Could you talk about it for 10 minutes? And I did. And when I sent it, the gentleman came up crying, and he said, we lost an employee over the weekend to suicide. And I got back to Florida on Friday and got a call from a contractor in Orlando that said, last weekend, we lost an employee. So, I mean... It's real. It happens. They're not fabricated numbers. 
the numbers are actually higher than what is actually reported because a lot of suicides don't get reported as suicide. Uh, they estimate that the numbers are actually 50 to 60% underreported. Um, you know, nationally, about 14 people out of every 100,000 die by suicide. Yeah. If you're an iron worker, if you're an iron worker in this industry, it's not 14, it's 73. If you're an equipment what? operator, it's not 14, it's 65. If you're a laborer, it's around 60. So it's not only blue collar, right? Well, no, if you're a, uh, like a project superintendent, it's 45. <sighs> so it, it's not just, it's not, you can't just say that if the uneducated lower blue collar workers, yeah. it's not, a, it's across it's the all, it's industry. All, it's at yeah. all levels. And it, and it and, hits a lot of men like you and I that have been powerful figures in the industry. They get to the end and that's all gone. It, the suicide rate for, for men over 75 is off the chart. And the most recent numbers, which just, you know, came out not too long ago, uh, the biggest increase was for individuals 45 and above. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, it's real. So this is incredible because I mean, I, I did I I've heard of suicide in our industry. I I did I would have never imagined that it was more than accidents, right? And in, in my around my, the business I've been around, I've seen you know accidents on the jobs that have taken lives and and big yeah. major injuries. Our business is one that you know we have a foundation that gives back to community in, in a bunch of different ways. Uh, this is not, I mean, it's, we've, we've participated in some suicide and prevention stuff, but not to any, anything like what you're talking about, because we sincerely didn't realize is this big a problem. I mean, I, I, I never would have, I, I would have thought maybe, yeah, probably half the amount of people die from suicide as construction accidents, right? Because we build our business on, on being the safest we can be in the world and in our industry, because we know that if we lose one life because we don't, because we're not paying attention, Oops. right? And we're not safe. Um, all the money we make over the course of our, our career doesn't mean a heck of a lot, right? If we if our teammates can't go home safe, we, you know we, we failed. And so when I think about this, this is the bigger this is even bigger problem. And and I I agree. I think that we many of us brush this under the rug, myself and my teammates included. You know, if there's a problem, boy, maybe we shouldn't talk about it. It's it's going to embarrass somebody, whatever it might be, right? But I, I believe that you know you're you're opening up a, a, a can of worms that needs to be opened up. And and how cool is it that this this whole this whole uh, uh, vision you've had to, to 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 dive into this? There's no doubt in my in my mind saving lives, right? No doubt in my mind. If, yeah. if people can talk to others about this and and not in, not in, in a open fashion, share experiences uh, because they care about each other. Okay, not only are you going to solve problems and have less less suicides, in my opinion. You're gonna have a better organization where people. I believe when you when you care about safety and you show that you care about safety and you invest in safety, that you build a better a, a better company, a better culture. I'm very confident that we've done that with our foundation that gives back and with our safety, um, our, our our drive for for great safety. Okay, but you know what? What you're doing is even better in my opinion because you're getting people to talk about something they, that many people don't think. If people have not experienced this stuff. Don't feel like it's 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 um appropriate to talk about, right? But if you build a culture that says, if you want to talk about these things, we're going to give you a, we're going to give you the ability to do that. If you've ever experienced any of this, we're going to give you the ability to talk about this and share experiences. And with that, what do you do? You're building better, tighter, in my opinion, 
relationships, teammate to teammate, from the, from the, again from the person new on the job that understands you're doing this to you, the leader, right of the business. So, I think that the value of this, um, it, first and foremost, is if you can save lives, that's an amazing thing, right? But but on top of that, I'm very confident. If I look at your organization since you've been involved in this and talking about, it, I can I can tell you that I know for sure your organization's gotten become tighter and tighter knit. That means yeah. you don't want to go somewhere else. Yeah. Somebody offers them a little more money, they're not going to have the family atmosphere that cares like you're building. So there's so many levels of of uh, fullness in what you're doing, man. I, I love it, and I and I I want I want to offline talk to you about it because I want my t- we have about uh, we have a similar amount of, of teammates. We have about 550 people on our on our on our in our 13 little companies, and and uh, and I want I want to this to be part of our culture too. So it, it's it's a in my opinion it's um uh, this is something that can, that that catches on to any of us that lead with compassion and and uh, authenticity that really want our 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 teammates to be safe uh, to be successful all right and to live great lives so i love it man this is awesome yeah we should have done the mental health piece before we did the physical safety piece because hey if you walked out the door this morning and your wife called you and said hey I, the results came back and i have breast cancer i can put a hard hat on you and give you some safety glasses, yeah. But if your head's not there, none of that that stuff. Do I really want you being yeah. the one with the stop go paddle protecting me while you're thinking about your wife that's home struggling? So, I had a gentleman email me. It's been probably two months ago now on a Saturday, and he said I need the helpline number, and I thought I knew what he meant, but I didn't want to assume. So. I responded back, what helpline number would that be? And he said, the suicide helpline number. So, hey. hey, I immediately called him and we talked and I got him that number and I got him some other resources. And I followed up with him. And, and during the conversation, I asked him if he needed some time away. I said, and if you do, don't worry about pay. We'll pay you while you're away. Because you know what? It would be cheaper for me to pay him to be away two, three, four weeks, whatever <laughs> it is. And it would be for me to find his replacement because I might have to hire three or four people to get what I had. So I offered that to him, but then, you know, I called him Sunday and checked on him and he was still struggling. And I checked Monday and you know, he's still there. Tuesday, he sounded a little better. I gave him Wednesday off. And when I called him Thursday, I thought he had won the lottery. The difference between Saturday to Thursday was we had got into a counselor that he talked to twice. He was going through marriage issues. He and his wife had agreed to go seek some counseling to try to save their marriage. So this guy went from wanting the helpline number to now having all this great hope. And I think that was probably in April. And I followed, I called him on July 4th and said, hey, you know, it's a holiday weekend. I'm just wanting to make sure, hey, how are things going? And he said, hey, things are a lot better. Thank you for asking. That's amazing. So, you know, a lot of people say, where do I begin? It's not hard to begin. I tell people how we began was we said that in 2023, we're going to do four toolbox talks, one a quarter. We're going to say that it's okay to talk about your struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to buy some hard hat stickers to give guys with a 988 number on there. Just, just to kind of put it out there. Because I said, you know what? People will drink out of a straw, but people don't like to drink out of a fire hose. Yeah. So, yeah. so 
that's how we approached it, and 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 it just took off on its own. Yeah, uh, we, we, well, you know, I, I look at this though too. You know, it takes a leader like yourself, right? To to just you know, people look at you that you've come from the bottom, you've you've come, gone to the top, and people look at you like, ah, you know, you're probably lucky, or you know, you're just you know, you, you just got nothing. And there's no problems in your life, of course. You you're, you're successful, and you just had no problems in your life, right? But but when they realize you've you've had challenges in your life, right? And you and you're free and you talk about those challenges. I believe that it opens everybody up to say, it's okay. It's okay. And guess what? Shame on me. I, I lost my wife almost three years ago now. I got a call that that she that she had a tumor. I got a call that it was eventually we got the call it was it was it was uh, malignant. Uh, we you know I lost her three years ago. And do I talk to all my employees about that? No, you know I haven't. I haven't done a lot of that. I, I, you know, I, I feel like, gosh, you know, I got to be strong. I'm, 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 I'm leading these companies. I'm supposed to be the, the, the tough guy, the strong guy, right? But how crazy is it that, that, that challenge that I had in, in my life, I'm, I don't share, to maybe make other people's lives better by yep. realizing that, hey, yeah, you know, Gary, yeah, Ray Bain, you know, he's, he's got it all. You know, he doesn't have these problems. No, they should know that I have these problems. They should know yes. that I've had these challenges. And for me not to share those, in my opinion, after listening to you, is is really coward, kind of cowardly, actually. You know. So, um, you know what? That's it's amazing, dude. I'm telling you, you what you what you shared with us is is going to make a difference in my life and my teammates. Um, and and I think you you do that every day. So, uh, how cool is it that you you you're able to run this company, this great company, Ajax? On top of that, you're able to inspire others, not just to to lead in business, but to lead personally. Um, and, and sharing experiences that aren't so easy to share. So um, it's, uh, it's really cool. I, I really uh, I really appreciate you and what you're doing, man. So, it's, uh, it's something else. So I, I want I want to be able to call you. I think I got your cell number through Chris. Yeah. And I want to call you about about that and, and what we can do. I'll, I, I'd love to take, uh, I'll, I'll drive up to you actually. I, I'm, I'm not that far south of you. I'll drive okay. up to one of your offices and meet up with you, get lunch or breakfast sometime if you'll do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Uh, we're, I, I, we got to about five more minutes. I want to make sure that Chris gets in, you know, the, the elements of, of uh, what he's learned at, in this in this podcast, and then uh, a little bit of what I saw too, and and we can close it out. But man, you're you're an awesome guy, and I really appreciate the, the time with you today because you're a guy that's going to continue to make a difference in other people's lives because you got the courage to talk about, you know, your experience. And uh, thanks for that. So Chris, Chris, tell me what you got out of this, uh, yeah. this, this, this amazing guy, Vince. Yeah, I, I gotta collect myself on that one, man. Vince, that was incredibly <laughs> powerful. Thank, thank you for sharing that with us. We, we've had the you know, luminaries across industries on here, and, and they've, you know, left major impacts on myself, Gary, and our audience. Um, but, but. I can't say I've ever shed a tear during our interviews, and this, you know, I was trying to uh, keep it together, but that that definitely <laughs> it hit right. me in the feels. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, th- thank you for having the courage to, you know, to bring up yeah. these topics and, and get these conversations going. This it, it will save lives, and it clearly has already. Um, you know, uh, I I did have one one. Quick question before I, I just jump into my uh, nuggets of wisdom. Um, you know, some some folks uh, you have an inkling that they're struggling. 
some you have no idea. Um, wh what's the best way to help someone you you have a uh, a thought that maybe they're they're struggling? Well, there used to be this idea that if you thought someone was struggling, that you should not ask them, because if they weren't and you did, if I went to say, "Hey, Chris, you're not thinking about suicide, are you?" Chris might suddenly think, well, no, I hadn't, but now that you mentioned it, hey, that's it. But, that, but that's been completely proven false. But you need to know how to approach the, the topic. Um, we've sent people here at AJAC through Mental Health First Day Trading to educate them on some of that. So you wouldn't walk up to someone and say, hey, you're not thinking about doing something stupid like killing yourself, are you? because the wall's up and hey, no, I'm not. But you begin through observations. Uh, hey, Gary's from a paving background. You, you go out to the crews and they're generally all together like a bunch of Rice Krispies. But you start to notice suddenly that Bob's not with the crew anymore. He's kind of hanging out over here by himself. He doesn't have a lunch with them or he doesn't talk to them when they're done at the end of the day. He's just, he just leaving quick. So something's going on in his life. So you begin with a conversation about, hey, Bob, you, you, hey, you're not with us anymore. And, and so they're like, anything going on, anything I can help you with? And he may not answer you on day one, but if you have the, that conversation enough with him, eventually will. And if he began to tell you his struggles, then at some point you're going to ask him, well, you're, you're not thinking about taking your life, are you? Because now you, you've, you've generally gone into that topic with him. And, and if he tells you, yeah, I have been thinking about it, then there's a follow-up question you need to ask at that point. Okay, well, if you're thinking about it, have you thought about how you would do it? Because you want to know how deep have they gone. And, well, yeah, well, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And yeah, and I've thought about how I would do it. Well, how? And, you know, if they tell you... Hey, I, I'm going to jump off of the 27th floor. Right? I'm going to shoot myself. Well, hey, if you're going to jump off the 27th floor, then we're going to get with the foreman and we're going to figure out how you can't go to the 27th floor anymore. <laughs> if, you're if you're thinking about shooting yourself, I want your guns. I had that conversation with one of my best friends about three months ago. On a Friday, work's going bad. He says, I just don't even know if I want to go anymore. And I, and I said, well, Jake, you're not thinking about doing what I, I think you're saying, right? And um, he said, no, no, I'm good. And I said, well, you know, maybe you should have given me your guns anyway. So you just, you look for signs. Um, people start asking, hey, you got a friend that loves working on his cars. And suddenly he comes in and says, hey, I'm thinking about getting rid of all my tools. I'm not going to need them anymore. Does anybody want them? Well, why are you thinking about getting rid of your tools? What's going on? Or so there's just subtle signs. And you may get other people that get very angry and get very hostile and will make statements like, um, like I did at one point. Hey, life sucks. Life isn't fun anymore. I don't even know if I want to be here anymore. Well, that's a pretty blatant, obvious statement that someone's not in a good place. Yeah. But from what I've learned from talking to most people, 
those are the anomaly statements and the subtle things that you you have to pick up on and, and you pick up on those by being a caring person that's looking up for those around you this this really all goes back to just be a good person yeah i'll tell you what and, and again I, I look at this as you know, we, we're on this podcast to, to mentor people and how they can find their American dream, right? How they can, you know, their 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 dish digger CEO, their rags to riches story, right? Um, and you know, and that's and, that, and that's fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I got to tell you, you know, su- success isn't just about you know built growing great businesses like you guys have done and and we think right. we've done, right? Really, success is about the the difference you're going to make in the life of others before you leave this yeah. earth. Right, I think that I, I love God, and I believe God wants us to make the biggest difference we can, positive difference we can before we leave this earth. Right, and uh, I got to tell you, you you're on you're on a, a you're on a path to make an amazing difference in this world before you leave it. And 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 because you're going to duplicate what you're doing, you're going to have the next leader in Ajax is going to be. You're not going to pick a leader that's not compassionate, that's not authentic, that's that's not about you know, being like you. Right. So again, the difference you're going to make in this world is going to be incredible, and it's 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 fun to really fun to get to know you because guess what? I'm going to make a difference in in this world in in many ways. But now, guess what? I I've got to figure out how we can be more aligned with what you're doing because I'm I'm confident that we have challenges, and I'm very confident that people like me have stories to tell. And if I tell stories, they're like, gosh, I guess Rabbi and you know, I mean, they know I'm kind of a hillbilly. They know I'm not perfect. Okay. But they mostly think I'm probably pretty solid, and I don't have these, pro- and, you know, any any problems emotionally and all that. But guess what? I've had many of them, and so to share those can't be a bad thing, in my opinion. And I don't, I'm not afraid to open up to people. So I'm, I, I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to ask my leaders to do it, and I'll, and I'm going to talk to you about how we how we build this into our our business and our culture. So there's one uh, last thing I want to leave you with, and you, yeah. if you can use it, you can use it, and if not is people learn need to learn not to say, I'm sorry your son committed suicide. I'm sorry your coworker committed suicide. People don't commit suicide. People die by suicide. Yeah. People don't commit to having brain cancer. People don't commit to having a heart attack. People don't commit to having a mental health struggle. They'll lead them down the path of suicide. People commit robberies. People commit burglary. People commit all kinds of crimes but people don't commit to killing themselves. It's a struggle. And typically people that take their lives get there through a journey like I did. I didn't go through how I got to that point, but it began 18 years earlier. And it was about me being a man and not sharing that with anyone. And it finally got to a boiling point to where I just couldn't take it anymore. So And how much stronger do you feel that you, after you shared it, right. And you continue to share it. I mean, it's got to make you feel pretty good that your your story can make, can make others stronger and and probably makes you stronger at the same in the, at the same time. I would tell you that I feel, but I don't feel. I know that I am way more respected by my peers and by my employees and even my family once I finally shared the story that came out. I always thought I would be. I told my Quran that I alluded to earlier, I came here in October of 02 and in June of 03, I walked into his office and just said, I want to be president when you're done. Um, and I wasn't going to tell him of my struggles because if I could manage my own life, why would he let me manage a company, right? 
yeah. I eventually shared that story at a peer group meeting with seven or eight other contractors um, because one of the contractors had lost two employees to suicide and he wanted to talk about it. And I shared my story that day. And when we left the meeting, Mike put his arm around me and said, that was powerful and that was strong and I'm proud of you for doing that. So I tell Thanks, people sir. just the opposite of what everything that I thought would happen, the opposite of this happened. <laughs> yeah. That was something how we grew up as men and think that we have to be strong and you can't you can't share your feelings and it's not that's weakness right when actually it's the opposite it's strength so hey Chris yeah. what else you get out of this this all star oh, we got yeah. uh, I mean it's different oh. people what else you get out of them we got a couple other we only got a few yeah. minutes but I do want to try to share a couple of things a little less lessons that you can pass on to you heard well, well of course um, it takes years to build your uh, reputation and minutes to lose it all. Um, people are your most valuable asset. Create a culture where employees want to stay. If you're not spending time and money looking for that next silver bullet, not going to find it. So any money you spend that turns out to not be the silver bullet, that's just the cost of finding the silver bullet. It's, it's not Please. failure. The cost of finding the silver bullet. That's major perspective shift. Um, use innovation. Use your your company being innovative as a recruiting tool. Uh, people can't fix what they don't know is broken. People will drink out of a straw, but they don't like to drink out of fire hose. I, I think that can be applied to. That's a good one. It's best today. And finally, be a caring person. Keep an eye on everyone around you and check in with them if you notice them acting differently. Vince, where can our audience find out more about you and all your amazing work? Oh, I'm on LinkedIn. I do a lot of posting on there, and I share a lot of events and talks and lessons learned. Um, I have just a very rudimentary website, www.vincehatesley.com, but LinkedIn, you know, is a great way for people to get in contact with me. I have talked all across the country, and I'm not I'm not a keynote speaker, so I've, I've done this all on Ajax has bought me airplane tickets and hotel rooms. I mean, you know, I talked right after July 4th to preferred materials in Orlando and preferred my biggest competitor. So it's not, it's about changing the industry regardless of who you are and where you, you work. That's the mission. And I, and I think it's about, you, you know, you're, you're, you're about not just the industry, in my opinion, you're changing the, the mindset of what leadership should look like. And I think that's really important. I think our industry, for sure, has a problem, as you said. But you know what? Every business leader could be could be stronger by 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 doing what you're doing, right? By by leading uh, with shared experiences, not afraid to talk about the toughest the toughest challenge we have in our lives, because everybody's got them. But we need to we need yep. to as leaders um, be be you know be, be embrace the challenges we've had, share those challenges we've had, because others I believe will feel. More like, uh, gosh, you know, I've I got similar problems that that, uh, that Vince has, that Gary has, right? And I think it, it makes it easier, and, and I think it builds better bonds and relationships for sure. So, you're you're an all star. I tell you what, Vince, uh, Vince, Vince, safely. We uh, we appreciate you being on today, and I really appreciate everything you're doing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a better person uh, because of you. So, thanks Good. so much. And I'm calling you. I'm calling okay. you now because I want I want to I want to get to. We know you better, and uh, and I want, and I actually want to create the process with our own Ray Group companies. Okay, you got All my right, number. Buddy. 
Thanks for being on Ditch Digger CEO today. This is amazing. Right. I'm, I, an amazing experience for me to have you on, and our listeners are going to get a ton out of this, and the world's going to be a little better place because of our new friend, Vince Afley. So thank you so right. much, buddy. All right. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Bye. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com, for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo. Children now, all the lessons I learned.